Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jared Lonza. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter Church, and we want to welcome you to, uh, to visiting us today. If this is your first time here today, we want to say thank you for coming. We welcome you. Um, I want to tell you that I love that you're here, and I would love to meet you personally after service today. Uh, if you're listening to us on the podcast, we want to welcome you as well. You're a part of our extended family, and we're grateful that you're with us. Uh, well, today we are beginning, or actually, I'm sorry, today we're continuing in our Thanksgiving vet message series that we just started last week. And it is November, and Thanksgiving is just a couple of weeks away. And so most of the time during this month, our thoughts generally tend to gravitate towards um, thankfulness uh, as far as family and the things that we have. And, the, and if I could use the word bounty, this is sort of a word that gets thrown around every so often in, in this month. And, but we particularly wanted to take an idea of extending the concept of thankfulness and, uh, from our physical lives and bringing it over into our spiritual lives as well. And so Thanksgiving, this series is really about giving thanks to God for all that he is in our lives and who he is, and then giving of ourselves back in the proper responses that, uh, that, there, that, that should be. And so we want to explore the greatness of who God is, and we want to discover how we should respond with our lives. And so we've been taking this passage of Psalm 100, which is where we uh, are going to be following this passage through the entire month of November. And last week we talked about verse 1. And last week was all about an intense joy. And the, the words that it was shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. And the big idea was that God deserves our unique praise is that no matter how you worship God, he wants you to do it in the way that is, that you were made to. And all creation sings to God, the trees and the mountains and the rivers do, but I'm not a tree and I'm not a river. So I can't praise them, praise God like they would. And just like you and I are different, we need to praise God in our own unique ways. And so we were challenged last week to shout to God with joy uniquely. And so this week we're going to move into, uh, into verse 2, but I thought we would do this again. I want to read this passage of Scripture together. I think there's something powerful about the corporate body of God, uh, all this, the church singing together and, and speaking words of truth and praise to God together. So let's all just, we'll just slowly read through Psalm 100 together. And the, the words should be on the screen here. So let's go ahead and read it out loud together. Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. There's just something powerful about speaking the truth of God's word, especially together. We're affirming it together. We are encouraging each other and we're all as a body when one voice saying, God, this is how we feel about you. And so I thought it would be something that we could do a little differently this month. Well, today we're going to continue our journey in the passage by exploring verse 2, which says specifically, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. And so last week we talked about these responses. There are five applicable responses. And last week's response to who God was an intense joy 
Well, today's response, according to verse 2, is ferocious love. Ferocious love. Now, this is not a word that we hear in a good context very often. When I looked up the the dictionary word for ferocious, it actually had a lot to do with violence. It had a lot to do with aggressiveness. But I just felt like as I was reading this passage and as I started to study verse 2, it talks about a ferociousness, a ferocity, and intensity. And so I looked up synonyms to the word ferocious. And here's what we came up with. Fierce, intense, deep, and profound. So the, a proper response to who God is, is a profound love, a depth of love, an intense love. Something that is not just uh, a surface feeling, but it has depth to it. Like, a, like an underground spring that, that, that bubbles up. It's something that is deep inside. And so the proper response to God is, is a ferocious and intense love. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing songs of joy. And so I think about love and how I was thinking about it as I was writing my message this week. And I thought, what's a practical example of just an intense love? And I thought about my wife, Heather. I love my wife with everything that I have inside of me. She and I have been married almost 13 years. And there are days where I just am so overwhelmed with how much I love my wife that I just want to do anything I can to make her happy. And so there are, I, can, I was just trying to think of one good example in, the, in our life together that I could think of, of times where I went out of my way to do something nice for her. And I, I felt like I probably shouldn't give a specific example because I'm, I don't want to get the point across that like, oh, look at me and the good thing that, that, that this husband did. But what I'm trying to say is that, that sometimes it could be as small as doing the dishes even more than once in a day. And I hate doing the dishes and it's kind of my job to do the dishes. But sometimes I, I, I just, there's dishes there after I've already done them, after we you know, had snacks or something and I do them again. Sometimes it's, it's something bigger, you know, it's, it's really taking on something in the family to, to just try to go out of my way to just let her know. And sometimes it's just, it's just being present, you know, it's, it's being willing to, it's being willing to do something that maybe I'm not interested in myself, but because of how I feel about her. And that is love. There's just an intense love that I have for her and that we have for each other. And, and that I think we understand this. And this is, this is the idea of depth. This is the idea of intensity. This is the idea of fierceness. There's also loyalty that goes into it. And I think we understand this in our relationships, whether it be a significant other. You know, we value depth. We value um, affirmation. We value um, affection. You know, and so when, when I love my wife or when you love your significant other, you want to spend time with that person. You want to show them. It's a natural byproduct of what's in our hearts, right? Like when I just have this overwhelming feeling of love for an individual, it's natural to come out. The same thing is true with our best friends. When, when we have someone who we're so close with, someone who we've shared life with, and my, my friend Scott uh, Phillips is my best friend. He and I joke all the time that we share a brain, that he and I just, we can finish each other's sentences. We have the same sense of humor, but there's also a sense of, of loyalty. And, and even though he lives in Nashville and I live in Pittsburgh, there is still a closeness there, and I'm willing to do whatever I can for him whenever I have the opportunity. And so I sent him a text message yesterday. I said, hey, man, I'm so excited for you. You're moving into your new house today. They're moving into their first house. They bought their home, and they've been waiting three months to get in, and they're finally moving in today. And I sent him a text message from 
nine hours away just to let him know that I'm thinking about him. And for Thanksgiving, we're going back to Cincinnati, uh, Ohio, where my wife's family's from. And they're not still close to that, but we're going to meet halfway over Thanksgiving just so we can say hello to each other and hang out because it's been a while. These are the things that you do when you have a closeness in a relationship. There's a, a love that's there. The same thing with our kids. How many of you are parents in here would say, I would do anything for my kids? If they needed something, there is no, no end to what I would do, to the ends that I would go to, to meet their needs. If my kids need clothes or they need food, I'm going to go and find it. And if it goes this far that I have to choose between whether I will eat or my kids will eat, my children will eat before I do. You understand this. This is love. This is a willingness to do whatever it takes and to, to give, to give affection and loyalty into relationships. And we value these types of things in the same way that God wants, uh, that we give it to others, God wants us to give it back to him. He's asking for that type of love to be responded and reflected as we feel about him to give him the same kind of affection and loyalty. God is calling us to a deeper and a more profound relationship with him. One that is, that can, on the outside, actually can look shackling. I, I have, I've, grown up in the church, I have grown up in my life, and I have seen a lot of people who feel like individuals who are inside the church and people who are outside the church, those who are outside can tend to look at an individual who, who genuinely loves God and follows the commands of what God speaks in the Bible and can be like, you know what, why? I, don't, I don't want that because I feel like all Christianity is is about rules and regulations and things that shackle you. And from the outside, it looks that way because they see the Bible as a rule book. But from the inside, for those of you who have an intimate relationship with God and know the life of the vine that he provides and the, the source that he gives us, it is an intimate and a life-giving thing. And I've been reading Psalm 119. I've been reading in the Bible in a year, and Psalm 119 is very long. And so every day there's just a, a section of Psalm 119. And over and over again, the writer says, it says, I, have, I love your regulations. I love your laws. I, I meditate on them like over and over again. He keeps repeating it. And I'm thinking to myself, anybody who would look at that who's not a believer, who's not a, has a deep relationship with Jesus is going to go, man, that's a whole lot of talking about rules. But he keeps saying things like, I love them. I love your commands because I know they are right and I know that they lead me to righteousness and they lead me to wholeness and to health and to life. And this is what God wants from us, an intimate and deep relationship. So let's dive in today to verse 2. It says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Well, let's, let's um, like a suitcase, let's unpack this verse, okay? So like we did last week, we kind of hit the pieces and then we unpacked them a little bit. So let's take the first part. Worship the Lord with gladness. Okay, that sounds pretty simple. I'm going to worship, I'm going to sing songs, I'm going to worship the Lord with gladness. But... As I was doing research this week, as I was studying, the word for worship actually is a Hebrew word. It's called abad. Abad. And this word actually means to serve. And then furthermore, it doesn't just mean to serve. Listen to this. It means to till. It means to toil. It means to work. It actually means as a slave. So the word is translated as worship. So worship the Lord with gladness. But when you get into the root of it, it actually means to serve the Lord. As though, the picture is, as though a slave who is, has been purchased, who has been bought, who doesn't have a choice in the matter, it says serve God as though it is your job. 
Okay, so that word abad means to serve God as though it is their job. And this is like an individual who is serving his master out of a duty or a responsibility or a requirement. So why translate the word from serve to worship? Why? I mean, it's confusing. If the word actually means serve, then why did you put it as worship? Well, it's because the word worship should mean more than just singing a song. Oftentimes, we, we think of the word worship as the thing I do when I go to church before the pastor gets up and preaches. And this is what we think of as worship. But in reality, worship is a lifestyle. Worship is, 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 is giving everything I am, bending the reality of my life towards the benefit of who God is. You see, so, so what it's saying is, is that the concept of worship is more than just songs. The reasonable worship of God is a lifestyle choice that we make. It's more than a requirement, and it should be fueled by love and a thankfulness of who God is and a desire to serve, a desire to give back. It's a ferocious love. And so an example of this was now I'll flip it and show how my wife served me this week. As I was writing this message, I was literally sitting on the bed writing this message. My wife is in the middle of a crazy day. Mondays and Tuesdays are her craziest days. She watches children. She has kids in the house. And there are sometimes up to six, seven, eight kids in the house if my kids are off of school. And she's just, she, I don't know how she does it, but she does it. It's amazing. And I'm sitting upstairs, and she walks upstairs with a plate of lunch for me. Like, she went out of her way, not just to, like, make a sandwich. She actually had to cook. She made, a, like, an egg sandwich. So she fried an egg, and she, you know, put it on the bread and, and made a nice bowl of, of fruit and things for me. And she went out of her way in the middle of her busyness to serve me, to do something full of love. Because of her intensity, because of how much she loves me, she served me that way. She didn't have to do that, but she did. And so, so what we're seeing here is that when it says worship the Lord with gladness, that's like, it's like saying, I want to do everything that I can to make you happy because I love you, because of the intensity that I have for you. And so serve the Lord with gladness. So instead of saying worship the Lord with gladness, let's sort of paraphrase it out and say serve the Lord with gladness. That word gladness means joy. It means jubilation. It actually paints the picture of holding a feast. It's being so happy about something that you'd be willing to throw a party. I watch a lot of uh, fantasy uh, television or, or um, uh, I read a lot of fantasy books where the king, you know, when it, it's customary that when something happens, they throw a feast. And when, I, when it, it's a feast, it didn't just say throw a little party or like have a few people over. It said you're so full of joy that you actually invite a, the masses to come and participate. It's that big of a joy that, you, that you, the king would spend a good amount of his money and he would put out the effort to invite people and to put out the best right? So when it says serve the Lord with joy, with gladness, we're talking about with pleasure. This is devoting ourselves to who God is, devoting ourselves to his service. It's an understanding that, that it is, a, it is a, a privilege to be accepted into the house of the Most High God. I mean, there are plenty of times in the Old Testament where God said, my holiness is so strong that the average man cannot come anywhere near me. They actually had rules set up in the temple where God's physical presence resided that when, that when an individual was to go in and offer the sacrifice in the most holy place, that's what it was called. It was called the most holy place. The holy of holies is what it was called. So it was saying that they actually had a, had a rule to where the individual was the high priest once a year 
would go in and he had to wear special clothes. He had to sancti- he had to, uh, sorry, he had to uh, purify himself ceremonially. And then he would, if that wasn't enough, he had to tie a rope around his body and go behind the curtain so that in case he did something wrong and died in the presence of God's holiness, that they would be able to pull him out. Okay, so God is so holy. He's so powerful. He's so majestic. He's so perfect that if we were to be in his presence outside of the love of Jesus that covers, as the Bible tells us in the New Testament, that the, that the blood of Jesus Christ that was sacrificed on the cross for us covers our sin, covers that rightful wrath that God has, and instead he sees us in beauty and in love because of what Jesus did. It covers the sin that God has to judge. And so when we think about that, and we think about this place of coming into his presence because of what Jesus did for us, we have no right to be there. But because of what Jesus did, we can come. We serve the Lord with gladness because of I am no longer separated. You understand? It's an amazing thing. So we serve the Lord with gladness. And then the next part says, come before him. Come before him to enter into, to bring, and to lead. This is like saying, it's not just saying, hey, come on in. It's actually saying, bring people with you. And then when I looked it up further, you know what? I, I, was, I love this. I, I read in it, it said, another, another translation is to come into his presence. And it says, an action of intentionality, taking time to be close. And so, but when I looked deeper and it said, close enough to see his face. Close enough to see his features. So when it says, come before him, what it's actually saying is, is you need to get close enough to God that you can see him, that you can know the intricacies of who he is. And thank God, because of the love of Jesus, we have the ability to know who God is intimately. The Bible says that the mysteries that have been long hidden before Jesus Christ came have been revealed. And now we have the opportunity to come into God's presence and learn things about him, learn from him to learn things about ourselves. and So when it says, come before him, he's saying, spend time with me. Get to know me personally through prayer and through personal worship. This is, this is now the servant, okay? So we had, we had to serve the Lord, serve the master, right? So there was this idea of a, of a, with a responsibility and the, the slave sort of, this is his job and his responsibility. But now we say, come before him. And it says, this is now the servant seeking out the master. This is, this is the one who, who values the master and, his, and what he has provided enough that he goes and seeks out from the master, what can I do to please you? It's not just I'm going to hide here until you bring the rule and tell me what to do. It's now I'm going to come before you and seek out what you want. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before him so close that you can know him intimately. And then it says singing with joy. Singing with joy. This is a joyful song. So, I mean, we don't think of slavery as a positive thing, and it's not, and, and there's plenty of passages in Scripture that actually talk about the freeing the slaves, but the reality of it was is that it existed during these times. And so what he's saying is, is, that, is that is an analogy, though, is because we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus, that in a way we are owned by him. And so we, and next week we'll see, we are the sheep of his pasture. We talked about that. He created us. So there is a certain obligation that we have to our creator. But now we're not talking about obligation. We're talking about coming before him and singing songs of joy because of who he is and what he's done for us. And so this is about sharing with God how we feel about him. 
I think so oftentimes we think in our minds, well, God knows. God knows how I feel. He knows that I'm happy for, for the salvation I have through Jesus. But it's good to hear it. If I never told my wife that I loved her, she would probably know it. But I think there's something in her that wants to hear it. And a good example of this is my own mom. My own mother, her mom passed away when she was, uh, when she was a teenager. My mom told me a story that she knew that her mother loved her, but for whatever reason, her mom just couldn't say, I love you. And my mom would say, I love you, mom. And her mom would reply back, you too. Or she would say, hmm. And my mom would always say, I knew that my mother loved me, but I just wish she could have said it. Because there's something about the words. I think the same thing is true of God, is that he doesn't just want us to live our lives pleasing to him, which of course he does. My wife wants me to live my life as though I love her and my actions and my work, my deeds, you know? But there's something about telling her that I love her. It's something about writing letters and telling her I love her. It's something about writing songs of I love you. It's something about, about finding a song on the radio that really speaks to me and then I forward it to her and say, I heard this and I was thinking about you today. You know, those are the things. And so when it says singing with joy, it's telling God how we feel about him. You know, the Lord's Prayer that is very common the Lord's Prayer, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If you come from a Catholic background, you're very familiar with this. In fact, if you've ever sinned, you were told to say 30 of them. But the way that Jesus taught, his disciples said, teacher, teach us to pray. And he said, this is how you should pray. And he goes through the Lord's Prayer. And the very first thing he does is says, our God who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's a praise. That's a, that's a recognition of how good God is and how big and powerful and strong he is. So Jesus, when teaching us to pray, actually talked about giving God the glory and how we feel about him. And so this is talking about serving too. So we went from the master and the slave and how the slave was obligated and he should do it with, with gladness because of, because of the home that he has been provided in. But then we move to that and to get to know our master and to say, wow, I will come and I've come so close and I have an intimate relationship with you that I love serving you. And now the servant says, because of it, I will seek you. I will talk to you. I will tell people about how good of a master you are, that you don't beat me, that you love me, that you provide for me, that even if I wasn't a slave, even if I wasn't owned or you didn't purchase me, that I would come here willingly because the life that I have here is so much greater and so much better than if I didn't have you as my master and my Lord. And so if you're serving, this is your hands. If serving is the hands, singing comes from the heart. Singing comes from the heart. Have you ever thought of songs in the course of your life and how songs, there are some songs you just identify with and you love? When you're a teenager, man, all you could do is read lyrics of music and then there were songs and albums and bands that you just love because they get you, right? Think of those songs, the ones that have met the, meant the most to you in your life. The ones that have, not the ones that are great, like Pour Some Sugar On Me by Def Leppard. Like that's not a song. That's a great tune for like rocking out at a party, right? But we're not talking about that song. We're talking about the songs that have, that have spoken to you either in a dark time or in a positive time. And there are times when in your relationship, how many, how many couples have had, have had our song? Why? Because that particular song speaks to you. And this is what songs do, is it's something from the heart. And so when the Bible actually is saying here, serve the Lord with gladness, come before him so close that you can see his face and sing a song from the heart, something that is yours, something that is precious. 
and resonates and reflects what's in our heart and we sing with joy to the Lord and our actions now live it out. That's a ferocious love. When we sing what's in our heart to God and then we live it out and say, I will give you everything I've got in my life because you deserve it and because I don't deserve what you've given me. And that is a ferocious love. The ferocity, the intensity, the profound nature of the love that God has for us and how we can return it. So let's Let's reread that intent, that that original unpacked verse. Let's read it here. It says, worship the Lord with gladness and come before him singing with joy. Well, now let's paraphrase it. Okay, we're going to take that verse and then with all the stuff that we unpacked, put it into this verse. Okay, this is not what the actual literal verse says, but we're going to paraphrase it by its meaning. Okay, it says, serve the Lord with joyful fervor, get close to him and sing how much you love him. That's what that passage means. That's what this one verse means. So what can I take away from this verse? What can I get out of this? Well, the big idea for today is that God deserves our ferocious love. He deserves our ferocious love. It is, he deserves a love that is intense. He deserves a love that is deep and profound and fierce and that we will take time and will make the effort for. He deserves it. Well, how can I apply this to my particular relationship with God? What does that look like? And there are two things. What does ferocious love look like? Well, number one, it is serving with fervor. Serving with fervor. This is living my life to please God. He is my master. So we'll go stick with that image of the servant and the master. My life serving with fervor. This means at home. At home. I want to serve my wife. I want to love her. I want to get down on my knees and, and scrub the, 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 the cracks on the floor if that's what's needed. I will do whatever I need to do to love my wife. I will serve her. I will serve my kids. It means when I'm tired and I come home from work, it means that I'm going to take time with my children. I'm going to spend time with them. With my family, it means going out of my way. My mom has a, has a saying, she says, family helps family. And that's a sort of Alonzo motto, but it's true. I will serve my family by doing whatever is necessary to help, to be there. My friends, the same thing. At work, this is a little bit harder. It's easy to serve people you like. When I go to work, I have to serve my boss and my coworkers, strangers that I see on the street. God is calling us. It's because of the love that you have for me, because of the love that I have for you, and because of who I am, I want you to serve me at work. God says in the scriptures, it says, do everything that you do as if it were unto the Lord. So when I go to work, what he's saying is, is when you go to work, do it as if you're working for me. When you're playing with your kids, do it as if you're playing with me. When you're giving money to the homeless individual, when you serve at church or when you, when you, when you volunteer at a, at a homeless shelter, you're doing it as if you were doing it for me. But it's harder to do that with our boss. It's harder to do that with our coworkers, people who get on our nerves, people who are frustrating, people who, I want your job. And he says, serve them, because when you do, you make me happy because you're showing my love. Serving at home, serving at work, and serving at church. You know, we have the dream team here. The dream team is exactly that. It is God's dream for Lawrenceville coming to reality. And every person who serves at this church 
whether they're playing keys or playing guitar, whether they're passing baskets, whether they set up lights, whether they're holding a program, greeting you at the door, serving coffee, working on our children's program, helping your kids to know who Jesus is. We're not just providing babysitting back there. They're getting lessons about who Jesus is. Whatever it is, those people who are serving on those teams are part of God's dream, and they're, they're making God happy when they serve. They're saying, I love you, God, and you've given me gifts, you've given me talents, you've given me passions and excitement, and I will serve you in your house. So I invite you to join our dream team. At church, you can serve guests when they walk in the door. Even if you don't serve on the dream team, you can be a de facto member of the dream team by when you see somebody you don't know, welcome them. Welcome them as if this were your own home. We're so glad you're here. Hey, let me, give, let me grab a donut for you. Let's serve guests. Let's serve people. Like, like serve their socks off to where when they leave this place, they go, whoa, I don't even know what the pastor talked about. That donut was awesome. And those people were so friendly. I have never met people so friendly, especially at church. Let's serve people. And in life groups, when we have relationships with each other, guys, let's serve each other. When you hear at your life group that you're, someone is struggling with something, don't just wait till next week to say how they're doing. Call them up that week. Take them out to lunch. Buy them coffee. Pray for them. Call them up. Hey, how you doing? How's that thing going this week? Can I pray for you? Let's be more to each other because it makes the Lord happy. So serving with fervor is the first way that we can live a ferocious love. But the second way is to have close adoration. This comes right from verse 2, okay? So worship the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him, all right? Come before him singing songs of joy. Close adoration. This is growing our relationship with God. And the only way that that happens is time apart. It's awfully hard for me and my wife to grow in our relationship if our kids are around all the time. I mean, if any of you who are parents, you understand what I'm talking about. Or if you've, been, if you've ever been in a dating relationship, you know what I'm talking about. That there's something about the intimacy of the one-on-one moment that cannot be had in the space of I'm going out on a group date. You know, like if I go out to dinner with 10 people, it's awfully difficult for me to really get to know one person at that table because everybody's mingling and talking to each other. The same thing is true with our relationship with God. Yes, Sunday morning is wonderful and it's amazing. And we learn about who God is and we sit here and we affirm this together as we read scripture together, as we sing songs. But God is saying, that's awesome. I loved that group date. Can we get alone this week a little bit? Could you and I spend some time in the room just talking? And I just wanna, I, I wrote a love letter for you. It's called the Bible. Would you read it? Like God wants to spend time with us and he wants us to spend time with him. And this is time apart. This is worship, personal worship. We created a section on our website that we, we think we talked about a couple times. If you go to the media tab on our website and under that, it says worship. You could click there and it'll open a media player which has all the songs that we sing on Sunday mornings and it links them to YouTube videos. So if you don't know the songs on Sunday mornings, now you can know them and listen to them all week if you want to. I encourage you. And if you don't have any worship music on your iPod, and you don't have anything like that, and you don't know how to get to Spotify or any of those types of music apps, I encourage you just to go to our website and you can play those videos over and over again. You don't even have to watch a video. You just listen to them and just close your eyes and reflect on what they're being said. I encourage you to do that. Worship God in your daily life privately. And prayer. Prayer is nothing more than talking, like communicating. It's like me picking up the phone and saying, God, what's going on? This is what's going on in my life. What do you think about that? And listening and just, 
allowing God to speak into your life. John 15 has been speaking in my life for about a month now, and it was Jesus said that if, you're, if I'm a tree, if we're all this tree, and you're this little branch on the end here, that if you pull that branch off from the vine, from the branch itself, it will die. And Jesus said, I am the vine. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But when you're connected to me, you will bear much fruit. And that is the concept of abiding, spending time, resting in this place. So when it says, come before him so close that I can hear his whisper, you know? I can't hear a whisper in the middle of the noise. But when I get alone with God, close, close adoration. So what does a ferocious love look like? It looks like serving with fervor, but it also looks like close adoration. So the challenge for all of us today is to ferociously love God, to give him everything that he deserves. And next week we're going to unpack a little bit about who he is and maybe more of why he deserves our praise. But for nothing else, he is the creator of the universe. He is the master of the cosmos. He created the mountains. I was reading again in scriptures today, or earlier this week, and it said, you formed the mountains from out of the sea. Could you imagine that scene? Just the ocean, and all of a sudden, just this eruption of mountain. He did that by his hands. He's powerful and deserves our love. He gave an intensity and a deep love when he sent his son Jesus. He's just asking for that love back. Let's give it to him. Let's ferociously love God back. How do we do that? Let's tell God how we feel. Let's think of ways that you can show your love. Let's spend time with God. Let's take steps to serve God. Would you consider today some things like, would you consider... If you're not ready to say, I'm ready to join the dream team, would you consider maybe taking steps in your own life of just getting to know God better? Serving him in your family, serving him in your relationships at work. We want you to serve here at church because it's important. And we need your help. The people who serve on Sunday mornings do it faithfully and tirelessly. And we could use some, some more people to lighten the load, right? Many workers make work light, they say. But God wants us to serve in every aspect of our lives. He wants us to worship him with love and with faithfulness. He wants us to give back to him what he deserves. Let's just take steps to serve in every aspect of our life. Psalm 100 is also a corporate song. It's a song that is meant for all of us to sing together. Let's be a church that serves God with gladness together. Let's be a church that loves God deeply and shares that love with others together. And let's be a church that sings joyfully each Sunday to God. Come on. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving options. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.